Hello, everybody. Let's pray together. Father, would you, uh, we ask that you would pour out your spirit on this time because we want this to be more than, than one man's thoughts. We want this to be something that you will use in our lives uh, to teach us who you are and to make us into the people that you've called us to be. So you have to do some supernatural things as we pay attention and study your word and, and seek to hear what you'd have to say. So your words above mine, your words above our thoughts. Uh, oh, come Holy Spirit and have your way among us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to be teaching primarily out of this gospel lesson. You can find it in Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. Matthew 15:21. Uh, very few people carry Bibles around anymore, unless it's the one on on your uh, on your phone. So you can still make notes there if there's something worth making notes on. But I encourage you. I mean, if if you don't pay attention. Um, you're going to walk out of here and be thinking about other things. And anything that God speaks to you is likely to slip away. So make some notes, whatever you have to make them in. Um, our gospel reading today, and if I can have, thank you, starts with, it says, leaving that place, and that place is probably on the north side of the lake that they call the Sea of Galilee, uh, that's where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. That's where he would hang out a good bit of the time. So we assume he was there. But leaving there, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon are, are on the, the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's a little bit north of Israel. It's in a, a place where Israelites didn't normally go. Uh, he was getting out of town now, if you think back over the history of what's just been happening, just before this, Jesus has had some interaction and, and done a little bit of teaching. Just before that was Peter walking on the water. Just before that, they had fed the 4,000 or the 5,000, and Jesus had been teaching them all afternoon. But, but that came about when Jesus was trying to take the disciples to get a few days away. They were tired. They needed a few days away, and they go away, and guess what? There's a lot of teaching that people followed them and, and wouldn't leave, and so Jesus taught them and said, hey, guys, I need your help. Feed them. And then they had to row all night trying to come back from that, and, and uh, Peter you know, walks on the water a little bit and, and has to get in the boat. And, and now here they are going off Again, in fact, Mark says Jesus didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Now, I think he didn't want them to know where he was staying because they were tired. They wanted, they needed some club med, get away for a couple of days, head to the beach, and yet somebody finds them. Says uh, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, Son of David. In other words, I understand that you're, you know, you're, you're a descendant of David. Uh, we, we've heard that a descendant of David is always going to be on the throne. And so, 
You know, maybe you're the one that's going to be king. So, hey, Lord, uh, son of David, king to be, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Now, that's a weird thing to us. We don't hear about that very much. It doesn't face Jesus at all. In fact, he didn't really respond at all to begin with. It says Jesus didn't answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. Oh, Jesus, she's, she's annoying us. I mean, you're not coming out and she's talking to us. And Can't you do something? They were tired. And, and so he answered the woman. He says, I, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Doesn't that sound to you like he's kind of dissing her? Like, like he's just, you know, you know leave me alone. In, in, in a way, he was, but he was also really trying to keep the main thing the main thing. He, he had a ministry that he was sent to accomplish, and this didn't fit in the parameters of that ministry. And his ministry was the main thing that he was trying to, to hold on to. There's some backstory here. He, he's not being rude. He's not being racist because she's from a, uh, another nation. He's not being sexist because she's a woman. He was there to call the Jewish people back into the ministry that God had given them. Uh, from the time that God first befriended Abraham, and we need this backstory, I think, uh, he had special plans for Abraham's descendants. Uh, we, we know them as the Jewish people. But it says in Genesis, uh, the Lord said to himself, you know, I should tell Abraham what I'm going to do since his family will become a great and powerful nation that will be a blessing to all other nations on the earth. In other words, God planned to bless all the nations of the earth through Abraham's family, through his descendants. And it becomes clearer what that blessing is because really it's, it's that these people are the ones who are going to reveal who God is to everybody else. Uh, in the time of Moses, where, where because God made a promise to Abraham about his children and their children, their descendants, when they ended up in slavery in Egypt, God said, I've got to get them out of there because I made a promise to Abraham and because I have plans for them. And he brings Moses up on the first mountain they get to in the desert and tells Moses, I want you to tell the people this. Tell the people, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you'll be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. And, and it wasn't because the Jewish people are better than anybody else. They're not smarter. They're not prettier they're they're not more loved but but they're special because god made a plan for them to tell everybody else about him and he says you'll be my kingdom of priests my holy nation that's the message you must give to the people of israel now, what, what a priest does, what they would have understood at the time, is the priest is the one who, who goes to God on behalf of the people. Oh, God, you, you made promises to these people and, and be merciful to these people and remember them and help them. They really need your help right now. 
And then he goes to the people and says, hey, people, this is God. And this is who he is. And he's good. And and he loves you. And he's got good plans. But you really need to listen to what he's saying and, and, and come to him. So the priest was the one that brought people to God and reminded the people of God. That's what a priest does. And he was telling this, the whole people, all of these descendants, all the Jewish people, you're going to fill that role. You're going to come to me on behalf of all the people of the earth. And through you, I'm going to reach everybody on the face of the planet. You're going to let them know who I am. You're going to help mediate that. And, and that's the main thing. And as you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that God was very intent on that. He, he really made that a priority. And any time the Jewish people started stepping away from that, you know, I mean, they even did things like they, they started following other gods. You know, they'd start worshiping idols and God would step in and put a stop to it. And he sent prophets to remind them, hey, y'all are my people. Y'all are the ones who are supposed to bring light to the rest of the world. You can't act that way. I need you to come back and be who I, I made you to be and called you to be. They were, uh, they were supposed to, to bring everyone into the family. That was their family business. Has anybody here, your family ever had a family business? Yeah, a few folks. Yeah, like I grew, I grew up. My grandfather had a family business. Uh, it was in electronics, and you know, you know, the details are boring. But he worked there. My grandmother worked there. My father worked there. My mother worked there. I mean, it's my family worked in the family business. Well, God has a family, and He's got a family business. And the family business is He called this family to let everybody know who He was. To represent him to everybody and call everybody to come to know him. That's the family business. That's the main thing. And God was very, he was intent on that. And so these people had a special privilege. And and uh, as it went on, the, it became more and more clear what they were supposed to do. In fact, not only was there a family business, God said, there's going to be one person in particular, and he came to be known as the Messiah, who's going to to do two things. He's going to remind you and call you back to the family business. And he's going to do what you can't. You're supposed to tell everybody and show everybody who I am. But this one is going to be the one that makes it possible for them to actually become my sons and daughters. So in Isaiah, God is, is talking about that person, the Messiah, who, who's specifically going to come. And he's talking like he's talking to that, that person, that Messiah. And eventually we know that's Jesus. They didn't know that yet. But God says to that person, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel. That's something that you're going to do. You're going to restore them. You're going to restore my children into their ministry that they have to help them to step into their calling. Because that's the main thing. That's why they're set, set apart. That's why they're separate and special. But that's too small for you to do. That is something you'll do. But also, I'll make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation 
to the ends of the earth. The Messiah is going to do things that the rest of the family can't do. The Messiah is going to provide a way of salvation, provide a way of becoming, you know, unslaved to the things that keep us from God. He's going to be the one that overcomes sin and death. Now, but he's also there to call the people back into what they were supposed to be doing. Uh, Jesus had that ministry to the Jewish people to remind them of who they were, to call them to repentance and to take up again that calling. Keep the main thing the main thing. This is who you are and what you do. In fact, uh, you may recognize this. This comes out of the Sermon on the Mount that you find in Matthew 5, 16. He says, in the same way that a, that a lamp is meant to shine so everybody can see by its light, in the same way let your light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and it results in what? They'll glorify your Father in heaven. And he said that not to Christians. There weren't any Christians at the time. He said that to Jewish people. He says, you're a light. That's who you are. You're meant to be the light. Now, Jesus is the flame. They're the lamp. But that's the role that they had. So when Jesus first tells the woman... And as it says in in Mark, actually, Jesus told her, hey, first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It wasn't me. It was his calling. It was the main thing that he was called to do until he went to the cross. It isn't right to take what I have for them and leave them behind to come and, and do ministry to the rest of the world. When, when he says this, this isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. I mean, you and I read that, and in, in our culture, that's like, oh, he's, he's being rude. He's calling her a dog. No, 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 no. I think this was a common phrase that they used at the time. That's just, it, it's, that's not what we, what we do. And she didn't appear to be offended by it. She, she said, yes, Lord, you're, you're still Lord. Yes, but even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. In other words, isn't there extra in this? You, you don't have to forsake, the, you know, the, the Jewish people in, in order to help me. Right? Isn't there just a crumb in this? Isn't there just a little bit of extra that, that can just fall, fall my way? Because I have a daughter. I have a daughter who needs your help, and nobody else can help. But I hear that you can. She's lobbying for her daughter. And so what is Jesus' response? He says, he answers her and says, you know, woman, you have great faith. You have great persistence. You have an awful lot of faithfulness. You don't give up, do you? Because that's what faith means, right? Yes, it has something to do with what's in your head and believing who he is. But really, it's the fact that she didn't give up. Just like it was the, when, when Peter started sinking below the waves when he was walking on the water. It was because he stopped. It wasn't as much what was going on in his head. He stopped moving forward. 
If you didn't hear that, go back and listen to last week's message. That's what it was about. Faith is about persistence. Faith is about not giving up. I think there are, and it says, your request is granted, and her daughter was healed right then. Right then. But it was because she didn't give up. She could have given up and she didn't. So I think there are a couple of lessons in here that, that you and I can walk away from this uh, with these lessons. First, remember that God hears your prayers. God hears your prayers and God evidently responds to faithfulness, to persistence. I'm not talking about, oh, I believe harder. I'm believing the hardest I've ever believed. I'm not talking about believing. I'm talking about persisting. Because that's at the heart of what all this is about. When you pray, don't quit praying about it. Keep on praying about it. Keep on praying for that son or daughter. Keep on praying. Don't just pray once. It's like, well, I prayed once and God didn't do anything. God evidently responds to persistence. Jesus is the one who taught about the persistent widow who, who somebody had treated her unjustly and she went to the judge and there was an unjust judge who didn't really care and he wasn't doing his job and she kept on coming back to him and said, give me justice, give me justice. And finally he said, oh, she's just not going to leave me alone. Okay, fine, I'll give her justice. And, and Jesus makes the point, isn't your heavenly father, isn't he going to give you justice? And, and, and he's not unjust, he's good. He's just. How much more is he going to respond to you when you're persistent? But be persistent. The disciples were trying to cast a demon out of a boy. The, the demon was throwing the boy into a fire. They couldn't do it. Jesus did it. And, and they came to Jesus later and said, why couldn't we do that? And one of the things that Jesus told them was, it was because of your lack of faithfulness. It was because you didn't persist in this. You gave up too soon. Don't give up. Don't give up. I have heard of answered prayers that have come weeks after weeks of praying, after months of praying, after years of praying, God evidently responds to faithfulness. Don't give up. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking and it will be given to you. Not just once. Second, second thing I think we can learn from all this is keep the main thing the main thing. That's what Jesus was was doing. He was seeking to keep the main thing the main thing. Although you may do many things as you go along the adventure that God calls us on, Jesus did something that was outside of the main things, but he came back to the main thing. He kept the main thing the main thing. Always come back to this. You, if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, you have joined the family. You are welcomed in. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. And guess what? Member of the family, we have a family business. 
We have joined into the family business that God has had since he talked to Abraham, and that is to be a blessing to the rest of the world so that we can bring the light of who God is into their lives. That's the family business. You might do all kinds of things that, that come up that, that aren't necessarily that in its narrow sense, but come back to the family business and keep the main thing, the main thing. His name is Jesus. He is the flame and we are the lamp. We've got to remember, we have a call. We have a privilege. We're special because we get to introduce him to other people. Tell other people about him. Meet them in the midst of, of whatever they're going on with, with what we know about him. God's people have always been expected to bring the rest of the people to know and love God. When the Jews didn't do that, and when they refused to do that, even after the Messiah called them to do that, guess what? They were removed from the family business and sat on the side for a while in hopes that they get jealous of all the Gentiles that were coming into the family business. Paul talked about that in, in what we read today in Romans 11. He's, he's talking to Gentile people, people that aren't Jewish by heritage. Any Gentiles in here? Oh yeah, me too. Okay. So this is to us in a lot of ways. And he's he's talking about it like uh, God's family. If you talked about God's family like a, an olive tree, he said you you're, you're kind of like a wild olive, but you've you've been grafted in among the others. You sh- now you're part of this olive tree, and you share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. You are nourished by the things that God is doing among his people who, have, who, who are taking up this family business. You're part of the family. You've inherited that. You've been put in. Now, now granted, that's true. But he says, they, the Jewish people, there were those who didn't respond, who wouldn't take up the family business. He says, they were broken off because of unbelief. They're, they're not in the business anymore. It's like my grandfather, you know, if I was, had been old enough to work in his business, but I was instead more interested in, you know, playing Xbox than I was in working, I could see my grandfather would look and say, well, tell you what, until you're ready to work in my business, you're not, I'm not going to have you on the payroll. You're not working for me anymore. You go do what you do. And when you're ready to come back into the business, you're welcome. But they were broken off because of their unbelief, because they didn't persist in doing what they were called to do. And Paul reminded us, Gentiles said, you're, you're standing here, you're in here because of your faithfulness. Don't be arrogant. Be In fact, be a little afraid. Be nervous. Realize that you don't... Get to ignore the family business. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he won't spare you either. Now, I don't think that we're talking about 
losing your salvation and God not loving you anymore and God sending you to hell if 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 you're not doing this. I don't think that's the, the thing. I, I think that he's talking very specifically about being a part of the people who reveal who God is to the people that don't yet know him. And that's our call. That's the family business. That's the main thing. That we've got to keep the main thing. And don't take it lightly. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell. God was stern with the people that said, no, not interested. But he was kind to us, provided that we continue in his kindness. Otherwise, we can also be cut off. Now, God has provided a way, Paul goes on to say, that he's calling the Jewish people to actually come to know him and, and be grafted back in. He says, if you can be grafted in, they're going to be grafted back in a whole lot more easily when they come. He said, but be careful. Don't put yourself in a position that, you know, that, that granddaddy's got to take you out of the business, you know. Take it seriously. Uh, all this is from God, he said in another place. God reconciled us to himself through the Messiah. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, there's that word, if, if you're in the languages and you look up Greek, the Greek word for reconciliation is katalasso. And katalasso means to exchange enmity or, or tension and, and, and uh, you know, almost a hatred, to exchange hatred for friendship. God has given our family business, God has given us a ministry of taking people who are far from God and helping them to become friends with God. That's what we do. We help people become friends with God. Now, so be persistent in your prayer. Don't give up the family business of helping people become friends with God. Here's what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to pray. Not just today. I'm asking you to take this on. Those of you who are at home, make note of this too. Pray for two things. Number one, I want you to pray that all souls will actively bring people into friendship with God. That we will keep the main thing the main thing. Now, the reason I'm asking this of you is because we're in a situation right now and with what's going on in the world. It's weird. It's different. It's hard. You know, we're, <laughs> I saw a, a, a meme, a, a funny picture with words on, on line about sending, uh, sending students back to school. And if you've watched The Princess Bride, it, it, was, it was the guy saying, I can obviously not choose the option of sending students back to school, which is in front of you. But I can also obviously not send, not send students back to school. Which, Anyway, we're in this weird place where life is different and we have to learn how to navigate it. Uh, pray for us. So that we learn that, so that God leads us, so that his spirit inhabits us and enables us 
to do what we're called to do. We need that now. And, and it might be that he's going to call us to uh, do more things online and to really expand that and make that meteor in, in what we do. Do more things and make it meteor online. It may be that we need to start doing more small groups that can actually physically get together in homes and churches and, and all that. That, that may be because it's easier to manage smaller groups than it is to manage hundreds of people. Uh, we may need to start a new service that, that's going to attract a new demographic. We may need to give away more backpacks or go knocking on doors or, or do some of that or all of that. I, I don't know, but pray for, and when I say pray for all souls, I mean all of us. You're not praying for the staff to do this. You're not praying for those who are called. You know, I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not called. No, this is all of us. This is what we do. Not, not what clergy does. Not what staff does. This is what all of us do. Pray for all of us. What are we going to do, God? We need to know. Second of all, just to emphasize the point, pray that you will too. Um, I, I know most of you are an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. I get a little weirded out when if you start saying, well, why don't you take four spiritual laws and go stand on the corner? That's not what we're talking about. Um, even non-evangelists can do things like look for ways to show God's kindness to others because they need it. Uh, look for, for what God is doing. Because everywhere you go, if you're going out to lunch after this, guess what? God is already there already working to draw people to him. If you have your eyes open, what might you see? You know? What might you hear? That where, where you can talk to whoever that person is and, you know, help that process along a little bit. Keep your eyes open. Um, point out when you see God or when God shares something with you, share it with somebody else. Make it a point that it will not stop with you. If God shows you something, you're studying, you're having a quiet time. It's like, wow, I never saw that in Scripture. Make it a point to share it with somebody. Right? Pass it on. Um, You can tell people your story of how you've come to know God. You can follow it up with an invitation. Hey, join us online, you know, on Sunday or, or come with me. Or, or why don't you come to my house and we'll talk more about that? Or I'll meet you at Starbucks because most, you know, some Starbucks are open. You can sit outside, you know. But follow it up with an invitation. But don't you leave you out. But keep the main thing the main thing. Your family. We have a family business. We help people become friends with God. That's what we do. So. Uh, if you're willing, I want to pray for us for that and uh, ask, invite you to join me. So let's pray. Father, we are in need of, of your presence among us. We're in need of your spirit to empower us and fill us up. Uh, we're in need of you to even guide our thoughts, to give us creativity, to speak to us on how do we do this? What is it that you're calling all souls to do so that we can 
we can help people who are far from you to become friends with you. What, what oh God, can, can you do in each of our lives? And I, all of us who are going to say amen to this, if you're going to say amen, I want you to say amen to what I'm praying right now. God, we give you permission to work in our lives and, and to prod us and encourage us and, and help us to get out of the boat when we need to, to, to do this, to, to take on the family business. Each and every one of us, God. And, and for some of us, it's a dang scary thing. Some of us, you know, it gets easier as you go. Some of us love it, but, you know, you, you made all kinds of people, I guess. But, Father, we do need your help. And so help us. Walk us through this so that we can do what it is that you've made us to do. And that's our prayer. And if you're going to say amen, you're saying amen to all of it. But that's our prayer in Jesus' name. And we said Amen. Amen. So, folks, you're in.